Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 524 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be finding out about the story of Guitar Heroes, which heads into the area very soon. Having a chat with Simon Archer all about Bilston in Bloom. The judging takes place this week. Also, we'll be finding out about Spring Awakening, which comes to Litchfield a little bit later on this year. And we'll be having some fantastic music from various artists throughout the show. But before all of that, we did a Facebook Live with one of the cast from Educating Rita. Half of them, in fact. Stephen Tomkinson had a bit of a chat with me, and this is what happened when we were having a little word or two on stage at the Grand Theatre. Welcome to the stage of Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, a.k.a. Dr Frank Bryant's office. He is here with me now in the shape of Stephen Tomkinson. How are you doing? I'm very well. Good evening. Good to have you here. It's lovely to be here. I mean, it's a lovely set to begin with, isn't it? It is. It's gorgeous. It does It does become a, a home from home, as it were, oh, in study. You, you've sat behind your desk, and obviously it's, it's, it's battered and, and well-loved, and the set designers just really have done a great job with it. And we're loving the rotary telephone, which probably means nothing to many of the Oh audience. Well, exactly, yes. It will be, it'll be new to some people. But uh, yeah, it's very and there's uh, there's one very good little uh, homage. Can I get up and move you, around? You can, you can move around. Right, I'll show you. I'll show you something. Frank's uh, teaching certificate. Okay, whereabouts are we there? Which is up here. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's up on the wall. It is. And can, can you see we've we've got to sign it at the bottom? Vice Chancellor and Chairman of the Academic Board, Michael Kane. There you go. That is quality. And be, in. in <laughs> A little homage. It is, and it must be quite daunting coming to a, a part that's so well loved and played by him in film. Yes. But having been a stage play first, I suppose, you, you know, you'd say if I need exactly. to lay, lay claim over it. Yes, yes, if most, most people have, uh, have seen the film, but, uh, but the, the play came first, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's just the one setting for the, for the play, and this is it. Mm-hmm. And it's just the two characters, and you follow their academic year on over um, 17 scenes and it's uh, it's amazing how how involved the audience become well i'd not seen the film and i, I never want to see the film but i don't want to take away from your portrayal of frank because there you go. It, we, we we know you we know you very well we've seen you on tv so much normally with the, as a vicar strangely but um <laughs> there seemed to be a theme there but you know it, it's a uh, it is great to get your teeth into a role like this, I'm going to guess. Oh, it's lovely, yeah. And, and, and Willie wrote uh, an amazing play, which is why it's lasted for 40 years. And uh, I, I think we just wanted to remind people what a brilliant job he did then and why it's still relevant now. And has he been involved in this production? Yes, he was, he was there every week of rehearsal from sort of mon- Monday to Wednesday. And then he'd go away a bit and then come back. And, <laughs> and he wasn't at all precious about his script. He was... He realises that audiences have changed over the 40 years since he he wrote it and don't need to be sort of spoon-fed as much information or have as much repetition as they used to be in the play. So we we lost about 20 minutes 
Well, well I, I like the references of the time, but still were relevant today. Things like Yates' Wine Lodge coming in. Yes. There. I mean, that, that sort of stuff. And, and that really makes you feel as part of the show. Everything from the rotary telephone, which, of course, everyone still had in their home in the 80s and, 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 and would have been office. Along like with their telephone table. Yes, well, they, and they, that would be essential part it of furniture. Would. Completely gone now. You have a yeah. mountain thing to charge it on in the corner, don't you? So, it's not uh, the same. It's not, is it? <laughs> but the, the, there are real books uh, around us here, and they make up the whole set. Do we know how many there are? Is it, anyone counted? I'm not sure in total. There's a, there's a good few. I mean, I, I've managed to fill three tea chests full in <laughs> record time and I haven't even scratched the surface. But no, no, it's a lovely set and it makes you makes you feel ready for work as soon as you come onto it. And so th from the opening moments, though, we, we see bottles appearing from everywhere. And Indeed. We, we don't get the full uh, hit of, of, of all of that until Frank's uh, a continuation throughout the show and, yes. the, and the way in which he sort of falls more into the world of alcohol. And, and that, it must be interesting to play. We, we see it as a bit of fun, but there's a really serious message behind all of this. Well, yes, and, you know, and Willie's clever enough to have him point out all his pitfalls, although he does it while talking about another play that Rita's gone to see, uh -huh. but he's echoing his own life and the tragedy of his own life. And that there are there are always warnings there in tragedy that but the character can't stop they still go <laughs> towards their own and he's describing himself and with uh, Jessica's role as Rita Susan however we we we'd aim her but uh, the the transition there I mean you get pretty much the same outfit throughout there's, there's not much I of a have, change I have two two changes of tie a <laughs> shirt change and a, and a, a well, I do have a jacket and trousers yeah there is a jacket change. yeah. But, but Jess is changing every scene. She's amazing, bless her. And that, again, I think th th that progression is something which on stage feels more real than it would do in a film. You expect it yes, in a film, but you don't exactly. necessarily expect it on stage. No, no, it's great. And it rings the changes and the, you know, the passage of time very well indeed. And her development as a character of how she's getting on on this, this journey for self-enlightenment. What surprised you most about playing the part? Um, well, that I was the right age to play it, suddenly. <laughs> I'd been reading it since I was 14. So uh, suddenly came, came back to it after, after meeting Jess up in Newcastle. And she was doing a play uh, called Goth Weekend at Live Theatre in Newcastle. And I was re-rehearsing a production of Patrick Marber's The Red Lion before we transferred to London. And we met up and, and I asked her what she'd been doing. And she said she played Rita before, but only um, for a week at the Gala Theatre in Durham. Mm -hmm. And she'd love to have a, a much bigger run at it. And she said, and you'd be a great Frank. So I, I went back to it. And yes, lo and behold, I'm now the right age <laughs> that Willie describes. Um, and I, but I, I think the, the, the real challenge is keeping all of those 14 scenes very exciting. You know, you, you're aware that when you're in just the one set, mm -hmm. that people get used to that very quickly, and, and it's just the two of you. So you've, you've got to do your, your darndest to keep the, keep the ball in the air and keep the, all the themes that Willie intended going. But this is where the chemistry comes in, and I think that works really well. You, 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 it is completely believable. Oh, well, well, I hope so. Yeah. It, it is completely believable. Thank if you. If you haven't seen it, come and see it. Thank you very much. But... With, with, say, the intricacies of the set, with the intricacies of the, of the characters, which do you think stands out, what, what bit stands out most for you? Willie's writing. It is, it is a writing. Absolutely, it's his writing. He, you know, he said he wanted to make it, uh, even though it's 
set in the world of academia and mm -hmm. you know which could be off-putting to some people but he's made it accessible to everyone and both characters are very autobiographical for him mm. he he was a, a ladies hairdresser himself for a number of years before he then went back into education and then became a teacher as well before the the writing started so mm -hmm. yeah he was certainly writing about what what he knew <laughs> and, uh, and and it's it's lovely the the journey's fascinating and people don't pick sides they go on the journey with both of them together which is always lovely and questions coming through. I mean, James is saying, has, has the play uh, evolved since the tour started back in April? I mean, have you seen any tweaks going on? Um, little bits, yeah, because always with a comedy when you're doing it's the audience that teach you where the laughs are and, <laughs> and when you can put your foot on the accelerator and on the brake. So, yeah, we're, we're constantly learning. And, and, and being that you only get a week in each, as soon as you just start to get used to one sort of type of audience, it all changes again. So yeah, you're you're always you're always very much kept on your toes, and that's that's what makes it exciting. And do you, in, in university towns, you see it a bit different as well, because obviously the Open University is a global brand. I mean, people yes. across the globe are studying with them, so mm -hmm. it's something that's known. This play can travel, and they'll pick up on that on, on that sort of thing. But do you think it, it, do you get a different feel when there are students around the audience too? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been because the play's been on A level syllabus mm -hmm. for quite a while as well, so it's. It's lovely that it, that we get such a, a mixture in the audience, um, and that, that people have such uh, empathy for for both characters and the kind of the unrequited love story as well is is beautifully told. So it, it's a, it's a great development and a great journey that the two of them go from from start to finish, and uh, they're both very codependent on one another. And you're grateful that you're the right age, I take it. Yes, very, <laughs> very. I've earned my stripes now. And what else is going on in your world at the moment? Because I mean, theatre is obviously a, a big part of your life, and I'm pretty much always has been. It, yes, and uh, especially over the last year or so, I've been uh, lucky enough to be involved with David Pugh and Dafford Rogers, our producers. We've, we've done a couple of uh, tours of art of late, interspersed with me uh, being at the Old Vic and playing Scrooge in A Christmas Carol for Matthew Warchus. Again, the age thing there, is that Again, yeah, what are they saying? <laughs> um, and and then you know I, w I was uh, performing art in the evening, rehearsing this during the day. So it's it's been a good ten months of solid theatre with three amazing scripts and three very very different parts. So and it's the variety of of the stuff that keeps me excited. And how many times have you been to Wolverhampton? Is this the, this is the first? Did, I, th I thought it it's may the have first been. First, I've been to the Grand here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm re and it's a beautiful theatre, it really is. And the audience last night were incredible. I was part of that audience. We had a great time. I you think it's, it's what was on stage that helps. And it's one of the... Sometimes you worry to play whether you'd be able to hear it when there's no microphones, because microphones really wouldn't work with this, would they? No. No, it's, it's, it's quite an intimate set. Mm -hmm. But when you've got two actors who are used to theatre as well as appearing on set on screen, uh, it... it it, it works well, and so every word is audible. Well, it's it's also a beautifully designed theatre for the acoustics, so every level hears everything at the same time, and it's and you know you know you can tell when the audience are with you, and they're not struggling for, you know, to pick up anything you're saying. So it's it's very nice. What else do you take away from this? Um, well, I've, you know, we'd we'd be happy to play more theatres with it if if uh, if David wants to have another go at it next year. And, um, <laughs> It's, I think we've set out what we wanted to achieve, reminding people what a great play that Willie wrote. Jess and I are very much 
in the groove in terms of trusting one another and uh, really enjoying the uh, the playing against and off one another as well. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, no, it's, it's been a delightful job. I shall be very sad when it ends. But, but as I say, maybe there might be some more dates next year. Okay, we'll see what happens. We have you right the way through until the 13th of July here at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Is this coming Saturday? 01902 429212 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets online. But loads of lovely comments coming through. Uh, Kate Christie saying she always wanted to see you live and was not disappointed. So oh, thank you very much. Wave to Kate, please. That'd thank be, you, Kate. There we go. That's especially for you. And uh, this you know, general reaction saying how great the play was and everybody loving it, which is understandable. As I say, come along, get your tickets. You've got until Saturday. Stephen, thank you for having another chat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Time for some new music now. This is Sun Goes Down from Aaron Drift. Tell me, tell me, tell me Tell me what you feel Tell me, tell me, tell me Tell me for how Thank you. 
Aaron Drift with Sun Goes Down here on the Milk Bar. Let me in are producing Spring Awakening at St Mary's in Lichfield. It runs from the 7th to the 10th of August and I have four of the cast with me now. We have Lucy, Helen, Chris and Joe. Hi gang. Hello. Right, where should we start? I think, I think Chris, we have to start with you because you're quite involved in this company, aren't you? Just a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, myself and a man called Martin Pritchard um, kind of came up with the idea of Let Me In Productions um, around about a year ago now. Um, mainly kind of born out of a, a kind of passion for both of us and a kind of desire to do something a little bit different. Um, we know there's a lot of kind of amateur dramatic groups around Litchfield and um, we've all taken inspiration from them, taken most of the cast from them as well. <laughs> um, people move between so many different groups and in so many works. shows. That's it. Um, so yeah, we decided we wanted to do something very different, something much more intimate. Um, the capacity for this is only 120 people each night, um, which for quite an, uh, an intense, full-on musical is going to be nice, and nice and intimate for everyone in the audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, we wanted to do something very different. We wanted to bring in um, a lot of people we trust and that we know will, will embrace what we wanted to do and yeah and let me in was born from that so um you're very very excited well i mean it's it's great to see uh, a group coming together and uh, a youthful group it has to be for this production because uh, we we're in germany and the uh, what 19th, 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 19th century yeah, yeah, 18, yeah, and it's really about uh, adolescents discovering themselves and mm. and that's kind of what you're doing with the uh, getting into the world of theater with this isn't it absolutely i think that the biggest thing for, for me is having an age-appropriate cast um the themes in the show are obviously very sensitive. We have a lot of mental abuse, um, kind of mental illness, uh, sexual abuse. We have lots of different kind of um, subjects we want to be very sensitive about. Make sure we do justice to. Um, I know that with the cast we've got, we have a lot of uh, people that are kind of just finishing school. So a lot of people that are experiencing the same issues as these characters in Spring Awakening. And the most important thing for me is that everything that they're experiencing in the 1890s is still very relevant to now even though all of the problems that were there should really have been solved by now yeah and, and, and social media and the likes seems to have made it a little bit worse doesn't yeah, it yeah absolutely and we are doing it traditionally set uh, as it should be in the 1890s however obviously when the characters go into song it very much brings it into the modern kind of um, mm -hmm. musical theatre world yeah well um, we'll talk more about the music very soon yeah. but first let's let's meet some of the cast and find out about the parts that each of you play let's start then here with lucy tell me a bit about who you are on the show so i play a girl called marta bessel mm -hmm. who is one of the girls in the village um <laughs> she is she has a terrible relationship with her father and a very unhappy home life. Um, as you've already said, it's not exactly a happy musical. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> she but, but even so, that's a, it, it is a musical of exploration, though, isn't it? Yes, so. and definitely with the, with the last number, which I think we might be performing later, um, it ends on a note of hope and a message that, that things can improve if we just embrace one another and, and talk to each other. And spoilers out of the way there then, but uh, how, do you, how does your character interact with uh, some of the group we have here? Um, well, with Helen's character, she's not really a part of the main group of girls, but she is mentioned multiple times and she's almost foreshadowing, I suppose, really what's happened. Well, Ma sorry, Marta is almost foreshadowing what's happened to Helen's character. Um, but apart from that, the girls are just a, a relatively normal group of girls that hang out together. Mm -hmm. So. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, so my character is called Ilsa. Um, she's supposedly, it doesn't definitely confirm, but hints with some of the songs. She had a bad relationship with her father as well. Um, 
possibly abused in some way and she's basically ran away from home and she now lives in an artist colony and uh, the only time she's really in the show properly is actually in act two you only really get to know her then and you kind of she comes across very uh, blasé about life a little bit like um carefree but actually you get the impression that when she's at the artist colony the same kind of things are happening there as well so she hasn't really been able to move on from that um yeah she's quite a sad character really she puts on a happy face but she's not very happy but that makes it more of a challenge when you're trying to play that sort of part because you've got got a smile on your face so your situation (laughs) is much better than hers yes um and to to have that uh, the happy but not happy look is is, it's quite as i thought challenging yes i think i found that very difficult actually in rehearsals there's lots of uh styles of numbers and in the scenes where you're not allowed to smile Mm -hmm. um which i do find quite difficult the whole show is completely different to what i've done before i'm normally very jazz hands musical Mm -hmm. um but it's it's made it more fun and i've enjoyed the challenge and i'm hoping that when when everything comes together i'll be able to do Ilsa justice I'm hoping I'm sure you'll be absolutely fantastic this lot have confidence in you which is good I'm I'm going to be rude and turn my back on you and move this uh, SN now so Joe tell us a bit about your role so I'm playing Melchior Gabor he is the only way I can describe him is like an intelligent rebel Mm -hmm. he sort of is the best at all his classes like the best at school but he sort of lacks care for all of them because he wants to search something like deeper in the meaning of life he feels that he's been boxed in by the community and that he doesn't know what he should know, so he reads as much as he can. And he sort of serves as this like massive intelligence throughout the show in telling all these characters all these things that you'd think he would have had to experience to know. Mm-hmm. So he talks about like intimate sex acts and all these sort of things, and he himself has never done any of them. He just reads them, and then he's like the main source of knowledge, which is really funny because he's just, like as clueless as everyone else. Mm. But I mean, w- one point in the show, there's uh, quite a... a, 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 a very big scene whereby yeah. <laughs> consent is given to something when somebody doesn't know what it is uh, they're probably signing up to there so there's there's that and then there's yeah, other areas of the uh, of, of the show which uh, yeah, put it, it, at that time would have really pushed the boundaries talking about this sort of thing yes. um, I mean what what are your main yeah, characters moments well, Melchior, I'm not going to explain it in full, but Melchior has a certain relationship with another character called Vendler, and they sort of have this very strange relationship that's very, like, sexually orientated, but none of them really know what it actually is. So, like, there's moments where there's a lot of sexual tension, but they don't understand what that feeling is, so they're almost scared of it. And there's a scene at the end of Act 1, which I'm not going to say what it is, (laughs) but something very quite big happens that neither of them really know what they're signing up for when they do it they just know that they're kids and that they want to enjoy these impulses and not sort of hide them away there's a line he says where it's like um if does a mayor like ignore every like feeling it's telling them until they're given a marriage certificate and i think that really sums up melchior's sort of view on the world because he's like do we just ignore everything we're told because we're told to ignore it or do we just sort of explore it and try and learn ourselves and then have to sort of live with the consequences. And it was kind of thought of, you know, 1890s in the UK, it was Victorian times, yeah. Germany was going through the start of what was going to be an interesting time for them <laughs> yeah. uh, at, at that point, and the way in which their society changed was significant. But it, were they as prudish as the mid-20th century? Probably not in many ways. So there is probably an, an area of liberation uh, around what these kids would have been experiencing that, that wouldn't have been frowned upon in the way it was maybe... 40 years later. I think the nice thing with Spring Awakening is it really shows the difference between the adult and the sort of like 
not children, but sort of teenager mindset. Because mm-hmm. the adults are very like closed door, don't talk about anything. You live by our rules. Our rules are there. Very much like the rules have been set for years, so that's the rules we stay by. And the kids, um, they just want to break out. They want to learn more, but they're sort of restricted by where they are and what time period is and what the adults are willing to tell them. Mm-hmm. Like in the first scene, um, Vendler asks how babies are made. And the mum's like, love. <laughs> and, she, like, and that's literally, like, and that's it. There's nothing else to it. Whereas mm-hmm. we all know yeah. that that's not exactly how it goes down. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of problems arise because of that sort of thing. And this misinformation that's said as like just the blanket truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot, a lot of what we've kind of played on is the theme of censorship a lot of our marketing revolves around censorship and and, um, the idea is that these children or or students uh, aren't given the tools that they need to survive in life and there's an argument to be said uh, Richard's kind of played it in in a way Richard our director Richard Boynton um, has played the show in a way that he's almost kind of showing how when the youth are censored like that and not given the tools they need to become adults um, it can then backfire and then it's almost the start of the generation like you most mentioned of the early early 20th century Germany mm-hmm. um, that could have necessarily possibly been caused by this repression that they experience um, so yeah I think repression and censorship is a huge part of it I mean we've, we've touched on kind of the sexual themes it's, it's not solely based around that the idea of, of that is is the fact that the show is real it's for real people it's for the fact that it shows highlights issues that everyone experiences it's not mm-hmm. it's not um gratuitous by any stretch of the imagination the way we're doing it it's just highlighting things that people should be able to talk about and that aren't dirty little secrets they are something that everyone goes through and everyone should be given the tools to be able to mm-hmm. to kind of get by in life so <laughs> tell us about your character then oh um my character is moritz stiefel um probably the, the most difficult character I've ever um, played in my short time in theatre. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but Moritz is someone who who tends to be loved by a lot of people in the sense that a lot of people can relate to him because he is stuck. Um, he doesn't know where he fits in. Um, he doesn't know how to act on these urges that he feels and, he, and that leads to anxiety and, and eventually mental mental health issues that are explored within the show. Um, the problem he experiences is that in today's world we can talk about that, but then we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that manifests into something very, very dangerous uh, for him. And with all of this, as you mentioned, Richard uh, is directing, yeah. um, and so the look of the show is important as well. So what, what can we expect costume-wise? Because we said it, it is in the 1890s, yeah, so... Absolutely. So, so yeah, we've gone for the aesthetic we've gone for. It's, it, we're staging it in traverse, actually. So we've got three stage spaces. We've got one at either end, and then we have the aisle, which is kind of where most of the action will take place. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the aesthetics, we're, we're very much going with the period aesthetics for the dialogue. Um, the costumes are all period costumes. Um, and then as soon as the music comes on, obviously lighting-wise and, and kind of um, in terms of the general performance of the characters it thrusts it into the modern world mm. so, um, so musically then what what would you say the feel of the music was it, it's a bit of a rock yeah uh, absolutely event, yeah. isn't it um, it's, it's it's kind of it's a rock kind of concert feel to it very vibrant very electric um, it kind of has undertones of rent and uh, musicals of that kind of style in it mm-hmm. um, so if you like those things you'll, you'll like the music in this but then it also has that contrast which is very very beautiful very much um, textured by strings as well mm-hmm. there's a lot of strings in it that, that bring out a lot of the melody it's not just a rock and roll show it has a lot of beauty in it and the arrangements vocal arrangements are the hardest I've yeah. ever come across <laughs> um, so but, yeah there's a lot of but a depth of characters that we talk about Ren, but it's it's not really a, of the, the sound possibly but 
the way in which the story is told is, is, is a very sort of different kind of tale. Okay, the, the girls have got quite uh, some, some difficult areas to, to, to deal with in their characters' lives. There's uh, challenges for the male characters uh, as well. And yeah, it's probably much more about the, the, the interrelationships rather than yeah. the situation uh, as much as anything else. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exploration of character. Mm. I mean, the, the, the best kind of way I describe it to people without giving away too much is an exploration of, uh, of youth and rebellion and what happens if you're not equipped to deal with the, the mm. sensations and the urges that you feel. And, and unfortunately, it, uh, for some people, it, it, it can end up corrupting them or, or manifesting into something very dark. And, very upsetting as it does in this. Yeah. How do we hold the tickets then? Uh, yeah, so the tickets are available on letmeinpresents.co.uk. Um, they're also available on stmarieslitchfield.co.uk. Um, if you follow that link, the tickets are £18.50. They're available. It's Wednesday to Saturday show at 8pm start. And, uh, and yeah. Come along, see it. Yeah. Be challenged by it, but enjoy yeah. the, uh, the talent that's going to be on stage. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Break a leg. As we say, it is the 7th through to the 10th of August at St Mary's in the heart of Litchfield. And you can get your tickets, go along and enjoy a great cast exploring not only uh, the, the story in the show, but also the wonderful world of acting and theatre as well. You, you will enjoy it. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. so much. And so I wait, the swallow brings a song of wants to follow the glory of the spring. The fences sway, the fences sway, the Crickets wander, murmuring. The earth will wave with corn. The day so white, so warm. And mares will neigh with stallions that they made. That's just four of the 13 voices you'd normally hear singing that song in the production of Spring Awakening, which is coming to Litchfield St Mary's in August. I look forward to seeing the whole show very, very soon. Now is the time to get booking your tickets for the story of Guitar Heroes. It's going to be at the Stafford Gatehouse on Sunday the 15th of September. To tell us more, I have the show's presenter and producer, Phil Walker. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. I'm good, actually. Yeah, really good. We're... uh... We're very busy at the minute, just how I like it. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And Obviously, it's a, a massive guitar show, but it all starts with the Plectrum. And I, I'm, My first question is, how many Plectrums do you own? <laughs> do 
Do you know what? I'm, I don't know about how many I own, but I must lose about 20 per gig. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, these are great souvenirs if it's been played with on stage. And obviously, as uh, you know, your work in the world of guitars, it, it is second to none. And, and you've uh, yeah, really lived the whole of this experience in the uh, the story mm. of Guitar Heroes, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, I started playing guitar when I was six. And it's a bit of a dream, really, to be uh, played in the style of all my guitar heroes, you know. So it's, it, it, as much as people might enjoy watching it, trust me, I, I doubly enjoy doing it. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to the guitar, obviously we, we do pick up on the sound of a band from not only the way the drum patterns work, the, the, the voice of the mm. singer is obviously a giveaway, but the guitar is a signature for many, many different bands. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, look at the sound of Queen, uh, the sound of The Shadows. You know, without those iconic guitar sounds, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same, would it? And when you come to a, approach a show like this, how does it come together when you're like building the band for it? Because you guys must have been working together a while now. Uh, yeah, well, the show's been well. The show's on its fifth year this year, uh, but I've I've known um, the other guitar player in the show for quite a long time. He's uh, he's a real good buddy of mine. Um, so when I came to put the show together, it was a no-brainer that I was going to use uh, this guy. You know, Toby James is a great guitar player and a great friend. Um, and then we've actually got a new lineup this year with the bass player and the drummer. Um, they're a couple of great guys. Um, I've kind of wanted these guys in the show for quite a while. And when an opportunity came up to grab them, I thought, right, that's it. And uh, it's, it's gelling really, really well. It's It's great. The show begins in the 1950s when uh, the sound of the electric guitar was was probably frowned upon by the uh, the older members of the community and then was taken up by the youth and that youth have kind of lived with it between now and, uh, and, and then and absolutely adored each of the different sounds that they've kind of got through their different generations. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you think back, you know, back into the 50s, you know, people like Chuck Berry and uh, Eddie Cochran, you know, I mean, back then, those guitar sounds must have been, I suppose, what rave music must be to my parents nowadays. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you've got that real sort of, I mean, the songs are, you know, they're quite tame compared to today's music, I suppose. But, you know, some of the cheeky lyrics that were in there as well. And, you know, a guitar solo back in the 50s must have been horrendous for... Uh, you know, for certain people. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're playing like this, I mean, you've got 20 guitars there, thereabouts that are going to be on stage. And is there a different sound from some of these guitars which is going to allow it? Or is it a lot of it done through pedals? And, and do you get to explain how that sound is actually made? Well, yeah, I mean, I, although I actually we're over 35 guitars now. Wow, <laughs> I OK. Don't what, I don't know what happened there. We've picked a few of them. I think you're way, addicted. But... That's what it is, Phil. <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, a lot of it does come from the guitar. Uh, for example, Hank Marvin played a red Fender Stratocaster. You you know, if you, if you couldn't use any other guitar, you know, apart from that. Um, Brian May had his own homemade guitar. And if you used anything else but a replica of that, it wouldn't work. So, you know, the guitar is a massively important part of, of what we do. And, and, and obviously the we're not a lucky likey show. We don't wear wigs or dress up like any of the guitar players. But, you know, the guitar is the important part and the sound of it is the important part. Um, and we've got quite a lot of, you know, 
electronic wizardry that helps us along as well with the sound you know so it's uh, technology and and the old <laughs> yeah well because you hit today's day and age people are processing the sound that's coming from the guitar before it gets onto record and sometimes that's difficult to recreate in real life uh, but when you come to the energy of the likes of slash eric clapton jimmy hendrix all of whom you'll be sounding like on stage it, that, that must yeah. be yeah, part of the, the the driver for the show Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We we get. Um, I mean, we, we we're really fortunate to be uh, endorsed by uh, a company called Line Six, who make incredible um, equipment. You know, modeling equipment that replicates the sound of um, all these guitar amplifiers. Um, and we often do get people coming up to us at the end of the night saying, uh, "Oh, do do you not have the amplifiers on stage?" And we say, well, we don't use them, and the, and the, they're gobsmacked because they can't <laughs> believe that we don't use it. But that's that's technology now, you know. You, you've got to you've got to hear it to believe it. And it was something that in the past these guitar heroes absolutely had to to work on and hone their skill. These days, mm. as I say, you you can recreate it without having fifty three different amps on stage to uh, to play <laughs> for each song, and it must be easier because exactly. often you you'd see microphones stuck in front of a, a small amp on the stage to bring a bigger sound to the whole audience, and yeah, that that has yeah. kind of changed, hasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you can. Uh, it's funny enough. There's um, there's a tribute band down at my local theatre the other week, and they had big Marshall stacks on stage, but there was only one speaker mic'd up. So you think, well, that's all you need. That's all the you know the public are going to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blast it out, enjoy the sound, and make that guitar sing. So, uh, what, what's your favourite in the show? You must have a uh, something you enjoy playing the most. Oh, that's a really difficult one. It changes week by week, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I, I, I kind of I love playing Dire Straits stuff. Um, that's a different style. Uh, but then again, we. You know, we do a little Brian Main Queen section towards the end of the night, and and I really love playing the Queen stuff as well. So it's uh, it's a really difficult one, is that really difficult? But I, I think I'm going through probably a dive straights phase this week. <laughs> okay, well we'll see how that goes. And that, that, is that and they're really long songs as well. Queen, you can rattle something off in two and a half minutes, but dive straight, you'll be there for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the funny thing is, if you don't do the full version of certain songs, you know, pe- people feel a bit shortchanged by it, you know. So well, the, think, the good bits, you... the good bits they added in were all the guitar solos, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sometimes um, I go into uh, studios when I do a radio interview and and uh, to be honest, all, all people are interested in if I play Dire Straits is, you know, take my guitar, obviously, is just the fast bit on the end. You know, nobody's interested in the rest of it. It's just play the fast bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a night full of fast bits, slow bits and amazing guitar work. It is the story of Guitar Heroes. It's at the Stafford Gatehouse Theatre on Sunday the 15th of September. 01785 619080 is their box office number. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk to have a little look online and buy your tickets that way. But you can also check out StoryOfGuitarHeroes.com and you've got stuff on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and all sorts haven't you so people can experience exactly. a bit of this before they come see the show yeah yeah um yeah search story of guitar heroes like you say um instagram facebook and it's uh, on youtube it's phil walker guitarist so yeah yeah hit us up subscribers and likers and whatever you do <laughs> sounds like a plan phil walker very much looking forward to uh, the show and we uh, are going to enjoy having you playing your guitars all 30 plus of them now that everybody's ears <laughs> enjoy the sound of these guitar heroes thank you so much i'm looking forward to it
Whatever you do, do it gently. I am lost, don't find me. I'm afraid, don't cover me. I'm angry, don't fix me. Sometimes in my alone agony is my ecstasy. My moan is deep, rolling strong. Lay your head in my hand, safe at home in my bones. Pain, passion, souls. Whatever you do, do it gently. I am lost, don't find me. I'm afraid, don't cover me. I'm angry, don't fix me. Sometimes in my alone, agony is my ecstasy. This coming Thursday, Bilston will be doing its best to bloom as the judges will be in attendance from Britain in Bloom. To tell us more about all about what's going on, Simon Archer joins me. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you? All well here, and I take it you're feeling good and uh, not suffering from hay fever due to the level of flowers we have in Bilston at the moment. No, no. luckily I don't suffer from that, but uh, a few of our volunteers do, but they're struggling manfully through. But, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're all very excited and uh, slightly ha- apprehensive because uh, Bilston hasn't entered Britain in bloom for a few years. Um, 2015 was the last time, so we've had a four-year break, um, but we've come back better and stronger. We've uh, we've got so many people 
um, getting involved this year, lots of organisations, lots of volunteers, uh, schools, etc. So uh, it's it's a it's a big it's a big team effort from the uh, the people of Bilston. So what's the level of success been like in the past? Um, they have had a gold in the past. Um, the last time they entered, they had a silver gilt. Um, but unfortunately, and the, the, the people involved last time won't mind me saying this, they just uh, hadn't got the support that they needed from a, either the city council or they hadn't got the funding required really to do a, you know, a really good job. And there were so few of them, they hadn't got time to do all the planting, weeding and so on uh, that you need to do. And um, hold fundraising events. There was just not enough time and not enough people. Um, but we've uh, we've gathered the troops this time. We've got lots of people uh, who've come forward through you know, the magic of Facebook and word of mouth and various other means, emails, etc., begging and uh, asking people to to step forward. And and thankfully they have. So there's a great team. It's looking good. What do you do? How do you make it work? Obviously, silver gilt last time was brilliant. Gold in the past is fantastic. So, mm. how how does that work? What what are we looking out for as we make our way around Bilston? Yeah, I, th- I think really it's it's just a case of initially identifying areas uh, of the town that could do with a bit of TLC. Um, there's a few pockets around Bilston that have um, not been. Uh, looked after very well, for, for instance, uh, along the Black Country route leading from um, the main car park in Pinfold Street to the market. There's a lot of litter there, so Nova Training have stepped forward and agreed to to get their learners down there to clear that up. So that mm-hmm. uh, people see a big difference. The City Council have agreed to to paint all the uh, the metalwork along there, so that's spruced it up a little bit. Um, and the Nova Training guys are, are, are putting some. Um, floral displays along there as well just as a finishing touch so that's going to make a big difference hopefully people should really notice that uh, that that's been improved Um, and there's lots of little um, instances of that around the town right by the town hall and Wolverhampton homes there's a group called Friends of Bilston Town Hall um, and they've all sort of joined together and done various bits took plants out um, planted. They've even made a, a, a little water wheel full of plants, um, which <laughs> looks really impressive. And the, the theme this year is water, which when you're a uh, hundred odd miles from the sea um, and we haven't got a canal running through the centre of Bilston, that can be a little bit testing. So you like but a challenge? Uh, we like it. We, we've had to be a bit creative, Jason, to be honest, <laughs> in, in certain instances. But uh, Loxdale School have made a whale feature yeah. which i haven't seen yet so i'm uh, i'm looking forward to that um and there's various other bits and bobs the british legion have got a boat that they've acquired from somebody in park fields you get all these weird and wonderful tales when you do in bloom it's um it's it's bizarre but also very um pleasing to see how people all come together okay great teamwork great flowers the town being looked after so anything else we can do from this point forward before the judges arrive on thursday morning well i think if anybody's listening and they visit bilston and they see a bit of litter on the on the floor if they could pick it up and put it in the in the bin that would probably save somebody a job and might just um score us an extra point but what we'd really like is for the the, the listeners to come down to Bilston next Thursday. The judges are coming at 10 o'clock, but all the displays will be done and dusted sort of as of Wednesday night. So any time they want to come down to Bilston, it's market day as well, so they can come and pick a bargain up while they're there. 
um, just come and have a look and, you know, have a wander around the town and look at all the wonderful things that we've done. Um, there's a flower show in St. Leonard's Church, which will be open all day. Um, and there's various other bits and bobs. People will be able to spot them quite well. Um, just come and have a wander around and have a look at all the lovely flowers and the displays that people have created. And can we see um, more in the Facebook group as well, then? You will. We have got a Facebook page, and there'll be lots going on there. We haven't put too much on yet because we're just a little bit nervous that uh, some of the uh, unsavoury characters of the town might come and help themselves to some plants. So we, we've been a little bit cautious, um, but we, we'll start letting that go early next week and, and really making people know uh, what's going on. So keep an eye out for it. Check it all out on Bilston in Bloom on Facebook. But for now, Simon Archer, thank you for joining us and keep up the good work and making sure Thanks. Bilston's on the map. Thank you very much. Lovely. Speak to you soon. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 525 next week. I'll see you then. Good afternoon. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.